Magnesium is integral for 600-plus biochemical processes in the human body, and yet most people are deficient. Common signs of magnesium deficiency include fatigue, muscle weakness, stunted growth, poor immune function, poor concentration in memory, hormonal imbalances, bone and teeth problems. Most people think grabbing a bottle of whatever cheap stuff on the shelf or at the top of Amazon will solve this. The common misconception is that consuming more magnesium will automatically improve health and well-being. The truth is there are various forms of magnesium, each of which is essential for a variety of physiological processes. Most people are deficient in all forms of magnesium, while even those considered healthy typically only ingest one or two kinds. Consuming all seven of magnesium's primary forms is the key to accessing all of its health benefits. That's why we pack seven forms of 450 milligrams of elemental magnesium into each serving of Wild Mag Complex. One dose a day is all you need. Learn more and grab a bottle today at wildfoods.co. Use code GENIUS for 10% off your order. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Charlie Burgoyne. Uh, he's Valkyrie's CEO. Uh, the website is valkyrie.ai. We're going to talk about using AI to uh, help health, healthcare companies make uh, mission-critical decisions and figure life, life-saving insights and uh, improve patient outcomes. So, Charlie, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me today. Looking forward to talking uh, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In your own words, what, what is Valkyrie about? What are you guys working on? Sure. So you can think of Valkyrie as a, a modern day uh, applied sciences firm, kind of like a modern day Bell Labs <clears throat> or a modern day um, you know, research institute turned industrial, industrial team. Uh, so our team is comprised of scientists, uh, biologists, chemists, physicists, uh, who are all working in different uh, verticals uh, together uh, by de- and deploying uh, algorithms and machine learning techniques, deep learning techniques, in order to dramatically improve uh, operational efficiencies and customer retention, all sorts of problems for our clients. So there's a degree of, of management consulting that uh, is sprinkled into what we do, uh, but predominantly we are a team of scientists solving difficult industrial problems. So when you say industrial problems, what... What does that mean? Are these healthcare-related industrial ones, or like what's the focus? Sure. Sure. So, uh, given the fact that machine learning and, and applied sciences is quite a horizontal, uh, we have uh, a number of different verticals that we touch. So, we've certainly done work in healthcare. Uh, financial services is large for us. Uh, automotive technology uh, is a large vertical. Uh, even this year, we've done quite a bit of work with uh, government applications, intelligence, and defense-related. Uh, and then also the uh, entertainment and transportation space. So a wide variety of different types of problems that we that we tackle. So since there's lots of verticals, what are some of the problems you've worked on that really jump out at you that you enjoyed? Um, we, we enjoy any problem where we get to uh, tackle truly impactful and 
easily realized uh, results for our clients. We, we really focus on that. This year, we helped the largest uh, ambulance company in the world develop tools around uh, COVID modeling prediction uh, and, and resource allocation. So basically a collection of capabilities to help them take a variety of challenges that the, the pandemic faced them uh, and develop the capabilities to, to mitigate those risks. We did that uh, over the course of the first couple of months of the pandemic, and now we're, we're expanding with them into new ways of understanding the ecosystems that they serve. Uh, we've also worked with... What do you uh, mean, like, like routing ambulances to be more efficient so they're, they're fat, that you could use less of them, or what do you mean? That's right. So identifying what counties are likely to have an outbreak of the disease and for what reasons and um, how can we buy PPE and ambulances and um, personnel as well. It's, 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 a whole, you know, it's the whole environment around an ambulance that, that this company supports and delivers. And they're, they're truly a global company. So they're, they're responsible for um, every, you know, every large market for the most part in the United States and then, uh, and then other locations as well. And because of that, they have to be very intentional about where resources are allocated. You know, the, the, the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the big question is, you know, how is this disease spreading? What are the, what are the vectors for the disease? Uh, and do we have the capability of reallocating resources in certain areas that we think are unlikely to be hit uh, into areas that are more likely to be hit? And indeed, uh, we were able to develop models and techniques to, to help them answer that question very effectively, uh, including one of the first uh, county level models um, that 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 was uh, applied in industry. Um, we were the we were the we were the team that developed that. Uh, as the project evolved, now we're doing interesting things, complicated things with them to understand um, uh, patterns of behavior for patients and uh, getting a better understanding of exactly how uh, the deploy different types of deployments are going to have different implications in different markets. Uh, so. It's a it's a client that we're we're very very um, excited about collaborating with. We 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 very much feel like we're part of their broader team, and um, it's been a it's been an impactful engagement for us. What other projects uh, stick out at you? You know that you particularly enjoyed, or you think will have a big impact? Arguably, are are some of our most impactful projects have been in the in the defense space, uh, doing a lot to uh, identify different types of behavior to help complex data systems ingest new data and then develop algorithms to support that. Um, for obvious reasons, we can't talk about that much, that work too, too much, but it, it now constitutes a pr pretty significant chunk of our team's time with multiple projects uh, in the intelligence and defense space now in operation. But I also, you know, some of our, our other clients include large cruise lines where we actually help them mitigate some of their environmental implications, uh, identify which systems are creating failures or presented opportunities to be optimized and got to learn a lot about a, a, a team of people who, who genuinely loved, uh, love, you know, maritime uh, operations. And uh, the client is a, a very passionate group of individuals. And we were really excited about the opportunity to spend time with them to help them develop scientific capabilities that were going to be transformational. Not only do things to help them keep the ocean clean, um, but to also find new ways for them to explore and expand their capabilities more broadly. Additionally, we do a lot of work in financial services space. So we've worked with private firms, venture capital firms, banks, insurance companies to develop models that are sometimes actuarial in nature, sometimes uh, risk forecasting in nature. Uh, that's really Valkyrie's home base is in uh, financial services. And which, that's one of the reasons actually we've, we've 
developed our own internal projects oriented around algorithmically informed investment decisions. Magnesium is integral for 600 plus biochemical processes in the human body, and yet most people are deficient. Common signs of magnesium deficiency include fatigue, muscle weakness, stunted growth, poor immune function, poor concentration and memory, hormonal imbalances, bone and teeth problems. Most people think grabbing a bottle of whatever cheap stuff on the shelf or at the top of Amazon will solve this. The common misconception is that consuming more magnesium will automatically improve health and well-being. The truth is there are various forms of magnesium, each of which is essential for a variety of physiological processes. Most people are deficient in all forms of magnesium, while even those considered healthy typically only ingest one or two kinds. Consuming all seven of magnesium's primary forms is the key to accessing all of its health benefits. That's why we pack seven forms of 450 milligrams of elemental magnesium into each serving of Wild Mag Complex. One dose a day is all you need. Learn more and grab a bottle today at wildfoods.co. Use code GENIUS for 10% off your order. And so in terms of investments, I mean, there's, you know, there's many quants out there. There's a, a lot of huge investment houses that do tremendous research. What where in the financial world are you trying to establish a, a new product or a niche? Uh, so for a period of time, we were developing forecasting models for privately held assets for a number of clients. Then we started experimenting with publicly uh, traded assets and incubated a hedge fund uh, over the last two years or so. We're finally at the position now where we're, where we're externalizing that, giving uh, folks the opportunity to invest and expand there. And I'm very, very pleased to share that our our quantumentally based hedge fund is in a, a very strong and, and growing position. I can't speak too much about publicly our techniques there, but in short, we identify different uh, ways of commingling disparate data uh, around assets uh, and then inferring uh, underlying economics for that for that business. Well, what, what can you say about it that's, uh, that's interesting or unique? You know, maybe you can't say much, but, uh, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm very cognizant of this space is one that we've been affiliated with for quite a while. Uh, And the truth is that hedge funds overall are heading back to fundamentals. I mean, they're they're getting out of the entirely quant-driven models because uh, for a lot of them, they they think that it undermines their their intuition and their their central thesis to have uh, algorithms make decisions for them. Um, So the the ironic thing is that these days, uh, fewer and fewer hedge funds, especially that you've, uh, that you've heard of, are utilizing um, high degree or high, high level science. Um, we're one of the ones that have doubled down on that technique and, and the returns have been uh, fantastic for us. So, you know, on, on our team currently on the hedge fund, we have a number of PhDs um, from different backgrounds who are developing models to exploit relationships between businesses or, or understand relationships between businesses uh, and then to make predictions about the value of that asset down the road. Uh, so, it, it, you know, for a long for a long time, quants were were hedge funds were doubling down on the quant approach, um, but I think it's been really difficult for them to mobilize and, and identify real value out of those teams. We've done it a, quite a bit of a different way. We have a thesis that's completely horizontal; it's not sector driven. Uh, instead, we let data that is available uh, guide uh, transactional decisions, and that's been very fruitful for us. Well, in terms of um... You know, COVID, I'm sure you're doing your own modeling in-house. 
Do you have any thoughts on where things are going with that situation? Since you're doing, again, tons of modeling for different industries, um, what's jumped out at you? What do you think is going to happen over the next six months or a year? Sure. Uh, it's clear. So our team is comprised of you know, traditional STEM scientists, but we also have epide- uh, uh, econometricians and, and those from the financial sector. Uh, and because of that, you know, we, we think about a variety of different implications of the pandemic. Now, clearly, the, the virus itself, um, epidemiologically, has had a lot of different types of ramifications for different types of industries. Uh, and we did model the epidemiological side of the virus. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. What we're finding is that there are many, many models to try and ascribe projections or create projections for the disease. And there's a lot of issues with all of them, right? Uh, a famous st- statistician once said, all models are wrong, and some, some, but some are useful. Uh, and in this case, there, there are a lot of wrong models and very, very few of them are useful. Even the IHME model, which was a central model for the, uh, for the, you know, the plurality of projects were depending on that IHME model. Um, there are lots of issues with that. And we've identified some issues with that. And we've optimized because of that. But uh, in the first phase of our work with the ambulatory care, the ambulance uh, company rather, um, we, we identified some of those issues and we optimized it um, and we're op- optimizing it now. Uh, so I, so I, what I'll say is that, you know, the, the best predictor of the next uh, couple of weeks is a certain, the last couple of weeks, uh, epidemiological models suffer. And so, you know, we, we've got a lot of trepidation about relying too heavily on, on them, especially with a virus that has some of the dynamics that we've observed um, over, the, over the past uh, six months, the very trying six months. Uh, what we are putting more and more focus on, given the fact that the virus is, is not at a point where it's inflaming aggressively, I'm not saying it's receding, I'm not even saying that it's, uh, it's not increasing in certain areas in a way that, that's alarming, but we're not seeing a, you know, exponential growth in, in, uh, in areas from, from the spread of the virus, at least in um, the markets that we do most of our business in. Uh, but what is very interesting are the ramifications of the pandemic on different industries. So, you know, we're, we're very cognizant of industries that have exploded and industries that have imploded, uh, based off of COVID. So, you know, medicine, uh, and the, the interaction between patients and care, care providers has evolved dramatically dentists and endodontists and, uh, uh, physicians and nurses are all identifying new ways to interact with their with their patients, and technologies had to be very aggressive in in order to satiate that need without without compromising on the health of of individuals. Um, we see other changes, dramatic changes in industry. Uh, that uh, financial services, for example, we're seeing a, a very different persona in investment perspectives and uh, investor uh, personas. It's changing the way that individuals are investing in the market and the way the market's responding to. Uh, fascinating changes there. Uh, even the way people are all working remotely has impact on different assets and different industries. Um, you know, one of our one of our clients last year, it's just gigantic consumer electronics company that that specializes in headsets and and uh, technologies for conference tables, amongst other things. And uh, they've seen a incredible you know resurgence and growth uh, given the you know given the, the the changing work environment of COVID. Um, so you know, for us right now. You know, we've 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 tuned our models for the, on the epidemiological side as much as we think is necessary. It's, it's really as possible is probably a better better word for it. 
And now we're thinking a little bit more about how different industries are getting uh, impacted, um, some quite severely from the fallout of the pandemic. Well, in the U.S., when you look at the news reporting versus the reality that you're modeling, what's the difference? What do you see? Certainly nothing that's malicious um, or um, contrived. I think more often, really what we're, we're observing are discrepancies in the technologies that are being utilized for reporting. Um, so it's, it's less that anybody's trying to hide figures on COVID or, or manipulate figures on COVID. It seems more like there are infrastructural issues with how those data are collected, processed, and, and then rendered. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have good relationships with a number of different states. We've supported um, some state work. Um, I'm really not, not uh, at liberty to discuss that further. Um, but I will say that one of the, the pressing challenges has been understanding how, how a new COVID patient is articulated from a data perspective, how that's captured, where's the, where's that data sent? How are, how are those data brought together to create a comprehensive understanding of the state of affairs for an area uh, and then define policy based off of that? It's a complex problem. Um, and I think that, that one of the resounding observations we've made at the federal level and below from a government standpoint um, is that we need to be much more intentional um, all the way down to the municipal, municipal level uh, much more intentional how data is collected in times like these and what is the standard ontology or knowledge structure for those data and how can we uh, institutionalize uh, structures moving forward so that we can be much more response much more uh, much more confident and responsive in our in our engagement with the virus okay well, well very good so who is a potential customer for Valkyrie like what kind of uh, situation and budget would they need in order to you know for your services to be worth it for them Absolutely. Uh, so we typically engage with companies ranging from about 17 weeks or so, 16, 17 weeks is about our shortest um, engage, large engagement all the way up to a year, up to a year and a half even in some cases. So it's a, it's a pretty big range. Um, and we engage less with a specific sector and more with a specific mindset. So we look for uh, stakeholders and um, individuals who are results driven uh, who can easily define the KPIs and metrics that they're looking to optimize, uh, who can be very intentional in sharing more about those, those metrics, uh, and then can give us the space to develop the models and aggregate data in a way that we can answer that question. So individuals who are looking to make predictions about the value of an asset, who, individuals who are trying to optimize the relationship with their customers, individuals who are trying to cut costs, um, particularly now that's a, that's a, a hot area, um, we can help with all those things, but the requirement is that we have a stakeholder or a collection of stakeholders um, who can be very decisive, um, who can measure uh, the, the issue that we're trying to, to solve and then can give us the latitude to execute against that. That's when, that's when we're most successful. Um, typical engagements, they truly range. We have projects that, that start at um, around half a million dollars, and but the majority of our projects are are in the in the seven figure space. Well, very good. And for people listening, they should go to Valkyrie.ai. Is that the best place? That's the best place. Um, yep, we're actively looking for individuals who are interested in, in investing in our uh, in our various funds uh, and always new customers. We we love uh, working with with new customers on the client side. Um, Valkyrie is a completely independent firm. Um, we have no, no investors, no debt. And we, we love that um, because it lets us be truly independent. And uh, we've been able to grow this, this whole business off of revenue alone.
um, which we're real proud of. So um, very, very different mindset and culture at Valkyrie. And we, we love to engage with new companies who are, who are thinking about what can come next for their firm. All right. Very good. Well, Charlie, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having us today. Magnesium is integral for 600 plus biochemical processes in the human body. And yet most people are deficient. Common signs of magnesium deficiency include fatigue, muscle weakness, stunted growth, poor immune function, poor concentration in memory, hormonal imbalances, bone and teeth problems. Most people think grabbing a bottle of whatever cheap stuff on the shelf or at the top of Amazon will solve this. The common misconception is that consuming more magnesium will automatically improve health and well-being. The truth is there are various forms of magnesium, each of which is essential for a variety of physiological processes. Most people are deficient in all forms of magnesium, while even those considered healthy typically only ingest one or two kinds. Consuming all seven of magnesium's primary forms is the key to accessing all of its health benefits. That's why we pack seven forms of 450 milligrams of elemental magnesium into each serving of Wild Mag Complex. One dose a day is all you need. Learn more and grab a bottle today at wildfoods.co. Use code GENIUS for 10% off your order. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.